good to see you this weekend. Great to be together after an awesome weekend last weekend. I'm just still just wow. Last weekend was just amazing. The Lord gave us so many awesome opportunities to to hear from Him, to be around other people that love Him, that are serving Him. And so uh, just uh, just so grateful for what God did in my life and what I know uh, many of you have expressed He did in your life as well. In fact, I have to be honest with you, my intention this weekend was to pick back up on our series called Real Emojis. For those of you that may be here for the first time, we've been doing a message series, an emphasis about emotions, that God has given us the ability to feel some things. And so how do we experience those things in a way that's honoring to Him? Because many times our emotions can kind of get us off track. But as I prayed about what the Lord wanted me to share this weekend, I felt like He wasn't done with what He started last weekend during the World Missions Conference. Wasn't that a great weekend? I mean, many of you, and, I, and by the way, I commend you, as Pastor Chris was sharing, I commend you for giving yourself the opportunity for God to work in your life. You know, I heard a pastor share many years ago, much of God's work in our life has nothing to do with our ability. It has to do with our availability. Many times it's just a matter of me showing up, amen? Amen of me just being in a position for God to work in my life. And so God bless you. If you are a host home, you got something special that the rest of us didn't get. You got two nights with those missionaries hearing their heart. God bless you if you did that. God bless you if you went hiking on Saturday morning with the men or or maybe shopping with the ladies. And, And you know what a blessing it is to give missionary wives a gift card. Amen. To say, we know their sacrifice, and we know they never give themselves something, so we're going to bless them. When you give to that love offering, by the way, and I'm not embarrassed or ashamed to share with you, when you give to that love offering, part of that goes so those missionary wives can just have a fun day. Amen? We want to be places like that. Saturday night, uh, our worship service, and Sunday morning, and the picnic afterward, just so many uh, talking at the booths. I just love seeing you guys sign up to be prayer partners with those missionaries. Just all kinds of cool things were happening. As Pastor Chris said, one of my favorite things was that a couple of those missionaries, one of those couples has just recently moved to the area. They actually are, are, are based in Albany, but they shared that they've been trying to, actually kind of struggling to find a church home as they were kind of getting acclimated to the area. But their daughters walked out Saturday night saying, Mommy, Daddy, is that going to be our church now? Isn't that awesome? Well done, church family. Amen. But as wonderful as that was, I believe that God was starting something, not finishing something. We could meet some missionaries and encourage them. Great job. Well done. We could hear what God is doing in their lives. We could hear what God is doing through them in their communities. We could be challenged to care about them to pray for them. We can even give to them. But if all of that does not end up in us, you and me getting involved ourselves in what God is doing in this world, then we have missed ultimately what God wanted to do through that emphasis together. And some of that definitely began with our prayer time. At the end of the services, some of you made commitments. Some of you, God has been speaking to your hearts. You came forward. 
You got on your knees. You said, God, you're speaking to me. I'm listening. I'm answering that call. God bless you for that. Throughout the weekend, last weekend, many decisions were made. But I felt like the Lord wanted us to chew on a little bit more what He wanted to give to us starting last weekend. So today, this weekend, we're going to talk about this. Becoming partners in the harvest. In other words, God is up to something in this world. Praise the Lord. Amen. God is up to something in this world and He wants men and women and boys and girls to have a personal relationship with Him and He's called us to be a part of that harvest. Now, most of us in this room, maybe some of us are farmers, but most of us are not farmers, so that's a little bit maybe interesting terminology. So, Pastor Robbie, why did you pick that terminology? I think you're going to see that I'm getting that terminology from the Scriptures that we're going to read together here in just a moment. So let's turn together to Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. And that's what I want to talk about together. God is up to something. Other people, we learned about last weekend, are part of that work. And now, God calls us. God calls you. God calls me to be a part of that work. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, and talk about that together. And as we do, I want us to think about this first. If we are ever going to join God in the work that He is doing in this world as partners together with Him in that work, we first of all have to understand this. Our God cares deeply about people. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 36. It says, Jesus, while He was here on this earth, was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, of the kingdom of God, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, He felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. A little while back, in our culture, there was kind of a phrase that uh, well, became popular for a little bit, especially amongst Christians, but even in our culture at large a little bit, you'd see it on bumper stickers, or you'd see a bracelet. Maybe some of you still have bracelets that, that say that. But, but the phrase, the idea, the acrostic really, was based on an idea that came out of a novel, came out of a book written in 1896 by a man named Charles Sheldon. And that book was called In His Steps. Out of that book and out of that idea, and by the way, I would highly encourage you to read that book. It's called In His Steps by Charles Sheldon. But out of that book came the idea of WWJD. What would Jesus do? Isn't that a great thought for us as His followers? I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, so I want to understand what Christ would do if He were here right now. This is... uh, What month is it? June. (laughs) June. I almost said September. I've already skipped the summer, dear Lord. No, man, no. Please. We only get three months. Amen? This is June 2017. If Jesus Christ Himself were walking on this earth... What would Jesus be doing with His life? Amen? And as we read these verses, they tell us exactly what Jesus would be doing. If He were here right now, if He were leading this church, 
If he were saying there's a harvest of people, this is what we're going to do, the Bible says that he would be going all through the cities. He would be going all through the villages. And what would he be doing? He would be teaching in their houses of worship. The synagogues were the Jewish houses of worship. So he would be teaching in houses of worship. He would be proclaiming the good news. He would be sharing the good news everywhere he went. He'd try to look for opportunities to share with people that, that the good news that they can be saved and be made right with God. And he would be healing every disease and sickness. In other words, he would be helping people with their deepest problems. Think about that for just a moment. It's not hard to imagine, is it? Think about if Jesus were here right now in our area, he would not be stuck in some building asking the world, well, if you want it, you can come and get it if you want to. Amen? Like many Christians in churches do today. If they're even thinking like that. If a church is even considering other people and getting the message out to them, many times that is the mindset, well, we're here if you ever want it, and if you want it, you can come and get it. No, the Bible says that Jesus would be going around. Now visualize that. And by the way, that'd be a, that's a great challenge for us, isn't it? Where would he be going? What would he be doing? He'd be going around Queensbury. What does that mean? He would be going around Glens Falls. He would be riding up to Granville, checking things out up there, probably going to some soccer games. You hear me? He'd be going to the Thursday night movies in the park, right? He'd probably be stopping by the hospital, right? He'd probably be checking in on some memorial services. He'd probably be uh, bringing donuts to some, to some workplaces for the break. Amen. Are you visualizing a little bit? If Jesus were here, he'd be going all around Corinth. He'd be dropping down to Wilton, figuring out what's going on down there. He would be out in the community finding ways to connect people with God. And we just said he was in houses of worship. He'd be coming here. Hopefully, amen. Hopefully he'd be coming here. He'd be going to other churches. He'd be sharing the word of God. He'd be teaching. He'd be everywhere he goes, sharing the good news. He'd be helping people at their deepest point of need. But the real point I want to bring out in these verses is why. Why would Jesus be doing all that? Why would Jesus be actively involved in the community? Well, the Bible makes it very clear. The Bible says in these verses, because Jesus, God Himself, is deeply, deeply concerned about people. In fact, in verse 30, 36, it says, seeing the people. And by the way, isn't that good news to somebody who wonders, does God even know I'm here? God sees the people, amen? Seeing the people. He felt compassion for them. That's a little bit hard to translate into English because it's in the original language, he felt something, it can actually be translated in his kidneys. And that's a little bit awkward, isn't it? I've never felt anything in my kidney. If I did, I need to go to the hospital, right? And so it's a little bit strange for us to translate it that way. And this is maybe a little bit kind of crude to put it, but he felt something in his gut, okay? He felt something deep down inside. And many times, don't we? When we're when we're when something matters to us, doesn't doesn't it? Don't we feel it either in our chest or in our stomach? The Bible says as Jesus saw people, he felt something deep in his heart for them, and that was because it says they were distressed and dispirited. Now those are pretty strong words. 
They can be translated like this. Distress means they were fainting. They were weak. They were actually, literally the word means they were loosened. Okay? So I think probably a good translation there is unraveled. Does that connect with anybody here? Their lives were what? Coming apart at the seams. It bothered him because he saw that people's lives were unraveled. The word can be translated, they were exhausted. The other word uh, uh, where it says they were distressed and dispirited, that word actually is a very strong word. It can mean they were thrown to the ground. Okay? So you can imagine a wrestling match where someone is picked up over someone's head and thrown to the ground. Okay, so these people's lives were coming apart. They felt like they had been body slammed, thrown to the ground. They were now exhausted. What is it saying? Jesus saw that their lives were torn apart, that their lives were hard, that their lives were in danger. And He saw that even though they were in that condition, they were like sheep without a shepherd. What does that mean? They were vulnerable. They were in danger, right? They were lost, I think I heard somebody say. They didn't know where they were going. They needed someone to lead them. They needed someone to feed them. They needed someone to protect them like a shepherd, like God does. Amen? Isn't that what Psalm 23 says? The Lord is my what? Shepherd. Can I ask you to do something in a few weeks? Now that I've remembered what day it is. In a few weeks, it's going to be July the 4th. And many of us, July the 4th is great around here, isn't it? There, I mean, you have to decide everywhere where you're going to go, right? You kind of have to rotate the places you want to go because there's so many great, there's great places going to Glens Falls. There's great places. You ever been to Lake George for July 4th? It is madness. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. I don't think I'm going for a while. Amen. I mean, it's crazy. It is crazy, but this would actually be a good place to go if you're thinking about what I'm about to share. Maybe up to Scroon Lake. I know some people go up that way. There's, there's all kinds of great things going on. But listen, would you do something for just a moment? As you're laying there on your blankets, on a hillside, or on the grass somewhere in the park, while you're enjoying, maybe hopefully it'll be warm outside, hopefully all these, you know, maybe cotton candy or popcorn or, you know, what funnel cakes or whatever else is going on. Man, we're just being Americans. We're just, it's just a nice family event or friends or whatever. Would you for just a moment, instead of enjoying the night, would you look around at all the people? Do you ever go to a hockey game and just in the middle of it, forget about the action and just look around at all the people? Amen. Do you ever do that? Do you ever go to a big event like that, to a baseball game, and just look around? And you look at when Jesus looked around a crowd like that, He knew. He could look straight at a person and know their marriage is falling apart. He could look at someone and say, I know they're not getting along with their kids. He could look at someone and say, I know they, they're, they're not making ends meet. He could look at someone and say, I know they're struggling with cancer. Jesus looked at those crowds and He cared about what was going on. Our God cares deeply about people. If we are ever going to join in with what God is doing in this world, we have to get His heart for people. Amen? We have to really begin to be bothered and concerned that people's lives are torn apart and they're living like sheep without a shepherd to lead them. They don't need me to lead them. They need the Lord to lead their lives. So the Bible says God cares deeply about people. But interestingly, look at verse 37. The Bible tells us 
that many of those people are ready to receive his offer. Would you let that sink in? God is offering. I want to be your shepherd. I want to help you. I want to deliver you. We call him Savior. But I like, Pastor Chris mentioned this a couple of times uh, earlier in the service. I like to translate that rescuer. Amen. I like to translate that deliverer or a helper. Because that's really, that, that really brings it, it takes it from a religious idea. Of, we call him Savior. We don't really think about what that means. But Savior means he wants to rescue us. And the Bible says that he's offering that. And good news, the good news is that many, many people, according to Jesus, are ready to receive that offer. Look at verse 37. As he looked around and saw the people, then he began to speak to his disciples. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful. Let that sink in. God said, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers, the workers are few. This is absolutely amazing to consider. Jesus says, the harvest actually, it can be translated plentiful. It can be translated really, literally the word is large. The harvest is large. The harvest is big. The harvest is bountiful. There is a lot of harvest going on. So hear this. The harvest represents God's work being accomplished in people's lives. Jesus is not just talking about great potential here. He's saying that God wants to work in people's lives. There are people who need Him to work in their lives. There are people who would, if given the opportunity, allow Him to work in their lives. And in fact, there's not just a few of them. Now I want to stop right here for just a moment and think about this. There are many Christians who have been taught or who've otherwise come to believe that the world is a mess and most people are not interested in God. Do you hear me? This is very important, friends. Many of us have been taught or have been led to believe or we've begun to form a belief that the world is in a mess and that most people are just not interested in God really at all. So here's what many Christians say to ourselves. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do my best for the rest of my life to try to stay clean, to try to live right, to try to do God's will for my life as best I can with God's help. And I'm going to try to help other people out a little bit, maybe serve a little bit here while I'm on this earth. And yeah, maybe I'll share as opportunities come. Maybe because I know I've been commanded to do that. Because if you read the Bible long enough, you're going to learn we've been given a mission. We've been given a commission. God has said, I've left you here to spread this good news. So we might say, okay, I know God's told me to. I even honestly, I care about people. I don't want them to live without God. I don't want them to die without God for sure. And so, yeah, I'm going to try to help a few people. But the reality is, in my heart, I don't believe. I believe that most people are not interested and are never going to come to God. And I've just got to accept that. Do you hear me? This is very important. Many churches and many Christians believe that. But the Bible says that is not true. Do you hear what what Jesus said? Because listen, I believe what I just said is a tactic of the enemy for us to be lazy. Or for us to excuse ourselves. 
you know what, God, I'd love to be your servant in other people's lives, but they don't really want it. They don't really want it. So, you know, I'll try, you know, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about, you know, I'll maybe pray it on break and maybe try a little, spread a little sunshine and make a little bit of a difference. And, and we're just very, very easy going about it because we don't really believe they want it. That is a great tactic of the enemy, isn't it? He has talked us out of doing what God left us here to do. He's made us believe nobody wants it, so just keep your mouth shut. Jesus said in John 4, verse 35, He says, Do you not say, there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? We have many, now this is, He's talking about a particular situation here, but we have many situations in our life where we could say, Hey, when you see this happen, you know that this is coming, okay? He says that. He says, hey, do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, Jesus says, pay attention, wake up, people. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white for harvest. When? Right now. Right now, the fields. What is he talking about? What, or is he talking about, are they going to go do wheat? Are they going to go do corn? What is he talking about? There are people that are ready for God to work in their lives. When? He didn't say four months from now. He didn't say wait around a little bit. If some things change, if you see some things happen, apparently, and by the way, when did Jesus say all this? He said it 2,000 years ago. Apparently, at any given moment in history, there are people that are ready to respond to God. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. Jesus says there is a great, great harvest of people who are ready to respond right now if they were given the opportunity through say it that's right now even still some of you will say I don't know Pastor Robbie I don't know bless your heart love you brother thank you Pastor but listen I've tried that people around here People in my family, that's what people say. People tell me this stuff. People around here, people in my family, oh, you don't know. People at my work? No, because the people at your work are the worst of all possible people that have ever been born in all of human history, right? (laughs) You're the exception. People at my school, you don't understand. They are not open to God. Well, I don't know who you're talking to, but I find that many people are open to God. And actually... If you take more than 30 seconds with them, and if you don't get your feelings hurt the first time they say boo, (laughs) you'll see that many people want to respond to God, listen, in some way. Many people right now, if we were used by God as His servants, I'm not going to say they're going to get on their knees and accept Christ right now. But I guarantee you're going to find some who are ready for that. But I promise you that there are people right now that are in some way open to God. That are in some way responsive to God. Studies have shown that as many as 90 plus percent of Americans, if you just invited them to church, would say yes. That's just one example. And here's what I think happens many times. Would you you just visualize this and catch this vision? We go to someone... And we reluctantly share with them out of obedience. God told me to, so I guess I better try. Or 
even out of love. You know, I care about them and I want to try to, but, but we reluctantly do. We're kind of scared or it feels a little awkward or we, 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 we don't know how they're going to respond or they might reject us or whatever. So listen, we go into conversations sharing about the God of the universe weekly. Not W-E-E-K-L-Y. W-E-A-K-L-Y. We go in weekly and with low expectation, if any expectation, and just like parenting or in any other leadership time in your life, you get what you expect. Amen? Not to make it like a business, but let me just give you an example. If you were a salesman who sold cars, would you ever say, well, sir, I know you don't want to buy a car, and I'm sorry to bother you, sir, but I just thought I'd ask you, you don't want to buy a car, do you? <laughs> no salesman, no good salesman would ever do that unless they just want to make excuses with their boss, right? And there are people like that, I'm sure. If you're in sales, there are probably some people that do it like that and then come out and boss says, nobody wants to buy cars. Nobody likes cars around here. Well, that's funny. And the boss goes out and says, there they go. There they go. There they go. Apparently, they're buying them from somebody. Amen? Apparently, people are buying cars. Friends, listen. Here's what I've learned about sharing Christ. Write these down. Here's some steps. Here's some things to think about as you're sharing Christ. I've already said it. One, number one, you get what you're expecting in witnessing. If you expect, well, nobody wants this. Nobody cares. I'm going in thinking the worst. That's probably what you're going to find. Secondly, I mentioned this a moment ago. Don't be so sensitive. Christians, we get our feelings hurt so easily. We're so, we're so fragile. I mean, and you know what it says to you know what it says to somebody who's not a believer? If your God is really so great, why are you so shaky? Why are you so fragile? Why are you so worried about what I'm going to say about him? Why, don't you believe in him? Don't you say he's changed your life? I mean, and I'm not saying come on strong. That's the other way that Christians go wrong. I'm not saying come on strong, but I'm saying we, should, we shouldn't be so sensitive and so worried. Many times, somebody who's not yet a believer is testing us. Maybe they don't even realize it. Listen, because they're wondering if what we have is really real. They're wondering, do we really care? They're wondering, will we stand with them a few moments? What I've learned when somebody comes on strong is I don't lean into them. I don't back up. I just stand straight up. If you'll just stand with somebody for a few moments and just work through that initial. One time, this guy, I believe I've shared this story before, but one time this older guy, a little bit grumpy older guy, came to church. First time he ever came. I walked off the platform. I was wearing dress pants at the time. I walked off the platform. I went over and spoke to him. I said, hey, sir, I'm Pastor Robbie. How are you doing? Good to have you today. He said, did you know that the cuff of your pants have been unfolded for the whole service and you did not even know? Now, you know what most Christians would have done? Well, I never. And walked off, right? You know what I said? I said, well, I'm glad somebody besides my wife's taking care of me. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> and that's what he did. He laughed. He said, you know what? You're all right. And then we started talking. Now, if I'd have just gone with a cuff remark, I'd have said, man, he was a grouchy old guy that didn't want anything to do with God, right? And then I got myself out of it. But I don't want to get myself out of it because I love him. Because God loves him. 
And he was ready on some level to respond. That leads us to the next thing. Truly care about people like God does. Show them you're not going anywhere. Show them you don't have an agenda. And again, I'm not talking about I'm not going anywhere. I'm not saying I'm not moving, you know, until you give your life to Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. We know that's wrong. I'm just saying show them that you're, that you're there. You're not just there to, to just get something off your chest. You're not just there to, 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 to do a drive-by sharing of God and then move on. You're there. You're, you're going to be around. That you care about them. You're for real. The next thing is take time to listen. You know, nobody in this world listens to you. Hardly. Amen? So if you become a person who stops, looks people in the eyes, really cares and listens to what they're saying, that will stick out. You will be different. You will show God's love. Number five, ask Him how you can pray for them. There is probably no better way. If I was going to give you one thing that would be a door opener for sharing God with other people, for sharing about Jesus, it would be asking people, can I pray for you? So you're at the restaurant and you say, hey, we're about to pray for our meal. Um, Is there anything we could pray for you about? You know what's going to happen? Three times out of ten, a tear is going to start coming down that face. They're going to say, you know what? They're going to forget they're a server at that moment. So you know what? It's been a long time since I've been to church. They've already taken a jump, haven't they? I just asked if I could pray for them. They've already jumped to, God wants to work in my life, and I haven't addressed that in years. I, I dare you to start praying for people. I dare you. Don't let the rest of us have all the fun. Amen? It is, it is fun to get to know people, to care about them, to pray for them. By the way, pray for them. Pray for them, you know. Many times I'll be considering, I'll say, hey, I know you got other tables, so we'll let you go. <clears throat> but right before we pray, we're, I just want you to know, what's your name? We're going to pray for this situation. Or maybe sometimes they'll just actually, I think they're a little bit caught off guard. I'll say, hey, we're about to pray for our meal. Can we pray for you? Yeah, sure, you can pray for me. And they just stop. <laughs> so I just go right to it. Hey, we'll have church right here. Amen? But listen, then when you go back, have been praying and ask them. So, hey, I've been praying for your son. Did he get out of jail? Hey, I've been praying for your job. Have all these stingy people been giving you better tips? You know, whatever it might be, let that person know. I mean, don't be freaky with it, but, but I mean, let them know I cared about what you shared and I really have been praying about that. That leads to the next thing. If possible, be available for the long term. Don't forget about them. Stop and see them again. Remember their situation. Ask about it. Who does that? And sometimes it will throw people off. So, you know, you might just have to say, hey, listen, I don't mean to be kind of weird or anything. I just, I love God, and He loves you, and, and, and I just want to, to, to let you know that. And so, I've been praying for this for you, because I want you to know that matters to God. So, you see, you can take it off yourself, and it won't be so weird. I just want you to know that God cares about your situation. Number seven, continue growing and stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You can't be God's servant if you're not in tune with Him. And then the last thing, when the time comes 
take the opportunity and just share. Close the net. I mean, good grief. Make the sale. Amen? If somebody wants to buy a car, they came looking for a car, they're ready for a car, you're selling cars, sell them a car today. Amen? Not, well, it's been nice to talk to you. Let's get together again next week and discuss your interest in my cars. Right? Nobody would say that. Listen, many of us Christians are way too easygoing. We just want to spread a little sunshine. We just want to make things bright and happy and I'll just make a little positive difference. That's great. Make a little positive difference. But when the opportunity comes, if you don't know how, learn how to lead people to Christ. By the way, right now we have a growth group on Tuesday nights that is teaching people how to lead people to Christ. How are they going to come to Christ if none of us know how to lead them? Amen? But even though there's such a great harvest, what did Jesus say? The harvest. There's a lot of them. Boys and girls. Children. There are many people that want me outside these doors. All across this community, there are many people who want me, but the laborers are few. Can you imagine an amazing harvest that remains unpicked? Can you imagine that? Maybe the reason I was thinking about September a few moments ago is because I was thinking about apple picking. Because I was thinking about this. And, you know, in a few months we will. We'll be going apple picking. It drives me nuts. My granddad went through the Depression, and I think he just kind of burned it in my head. You don't waste. Amen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? My granddad just, you don't waste. They had seven brothers. I mean, they ate everything, right? You don't waste things. So when I walk through these apple orchards, I'm just like, I'm stepping on food, Right? It just feels like such a waste. And I know there's ways that, that many of the uh, farmers have figured out how to, how to capitalize on that. But I want us to think about that image. As you're walking over those apples, what if that was God's fruit that was laying on the ground? That's a shame, amen? That's a shame. When we go out to eat here in just a moment after the service, there might be some fruit that God wants to pick. I don't want it to fall and just lay on the ground. Amen? Think about missing a great opportunity. And you kids that just went to the Memorial Day parades. Okay? What if somebody told you, hey, on the corner of such and such and such and such, that's where they throw the candy. Amen? That, I mean, some of you kids have been going to these parades long enough, you know, right? You know, go to the beginning of the parade because they're out at the end. At least there, right? <laughs> Think about there's an opportunity out there for God to work in people's lives. God forbid that those opportunities would be missed. Today, all around us are people who are ready to respond to God. What a shame if we miss that. How sad that would be. And that leads us to the last thing I want to talk about in these verses. God calls us to become partners in that harvest. God says, I love people. People need me. I want to save them. I want to shepherd them. I want to lead their life. And many of them are ready to receive me, but there's not a lot of people going out there working in my field. So I'm calling you to be a part of that. Look at verse 38. Matthew 9, verse 38. He says, Therefore, because of that, beseech, pray, it can be translated, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. By the way, don't you see the word harvest mentioned several times there? Sounds to me like God's trying to get across. There is a what? There's a harvest. There is a harvest. There is a harvest. There are people ready. He says, therefore, beseech the Lord of the 
harvest to send out workers into His harvest. There's really two things that the Lord brings up in these verses. Really, one is clearly stated and the other is implied. The thing that's clearly stated is the first thing we need to do is what? Pray, right? It's one of the biggest goals of this church. One of our big goals. Big, hairy, audacious goals. Number eight. Big, hairy, audacious. BHAG number eight is to be a powerhouse of prayer. I was reading in my time of the Lord this week. I was reading the book of Acts. If you notice in the book of Acts, as the book of Acts opens, when Jesus left, what's the first thing the disciples did? They didn't know what to do, so what they did? They prayed. And then as you go through the book of Acts, they run into all kinds of situations that they don't know what to do. So what do they do? They keep praying. One of the best ways to partner with God in His harvest is by praying. Okay, I'm about to challenge you. You ready? Pastor Chris, well, you know where I'm going. You forgot. Now you're remembering. He asked us last week, I'm interviewing these missionaries. If you would commit to pray for one or more of them for the next two weeks, and some of you are going, man, man, call me. Amen. I forgot. I forgot. Okay, cool. Don't forget this week. Right? One of the best things you can do is pray for people who are already serving. Would you make adjustments in your personal time of the Lord to pick one to three? It was in the worship guide last week. If you still have a copy of your worship guide, a list of those names, would you take one to three there? Maybe take one a week for the next three months and just one day, your family, just one day a week, maybe Monday nights for missions. Monday for missions, we're going to pick one of those missionaries once a week for the next three months and pray with your family. By the way, God will use that in your kids' lives. They will remember a lot more than you and I are. Would you especially pray that God would send out workers into His harvest? Would you pray that God would do that in our church family? Amen? We're praying that God is going to continue to raise up servants to work within our church family, within our community, and some of you are going to send away. Tony and April Lomenzo. I love them. I miss them. It's always good to catch up with them. But God sent them out from this church. They were just like you, just like me, regular people, but God called them to go somewhere else and to serve. Would you pray for that? Would you pray that God would raise up people in our church to serve, whether it's as a missionary somewhere else or serve within? This is what we're doing together. And then, out of that has to come another implication. He told them to pray, but what has to come out of that is involvement, right? If I'm praying for other people to be engaged in the work of God, I can't say, Lord, there's so many people ready for you, raise up people, but not me. Here I am, Lord, send her. Here I am, Lord, send him. Right? Can I share some things with you? If you are really serious about serving the Lord, God has opened you up a wide door of opportunity. Right here in this church family, God has given us. Friends, do you know that many people, not just New Hope, not just Pastor Robbie, many people have identified that the Spirit of God is working across this region. It's not just us. It's not just our church. 
It's not just our network of churches. Many people in the kingdom of God are recognizing that something is happening. Now something happened 100 years ago, 200 years ago. Some amazing things happened. It seems like for a while it didn't seem like maybe as much was happening. But, but I, and I haven't lived here my whole life. And I'm, I'm not super old. I'm getting up there, but I'm not super old. So I don't have the, the best perspective. So I don't know everything. But I'm just telling you, when I talk to other people, they say, something is happening right now in our region. And listen, you have a church that cares about that. You have a church that's noticing that. You have a church that wants to engage with that. By the way, many of you know this, but some of you may not. That is a blessing. Because many of you have had a time in your life when you had a desire to make an impact, but you did not have a church to partner with to do that. And that is a very tough spot to be in. Amen? To have a desire to serve the Lord. But I mean, who can do this by themselves? Amen? And so I just want you to see there is an area that for sure is fulfilling what Jesus is saying in Matthew 9 and John chapter 4. It is white to harvest. You have been given an opportunity to be a part of a church family that is acknowledging that, that is seeking to make an impact on that. So if you are here right now, at this point in history, as a part of this church, you have to ask yourself, God, what is it that you want to do through me? Why have you brought me here right now? What did Pastor Jeremiah Brinkman say last week? God has chosen to do it through you and through me. He has no plan B. If the message gets out, it'll be through us. It'll be Him, but it'll be through us. So I want to give you three ways you can be involved in the harvest. First of all, we've already said it. Write it down. Pray. We've talked about it, but will you? First of all, pray. Secondly, is give. One of the ways you can be a part of the harvest. Did you know as you give your tithes and offerings every week, as you give that, did you know automatically over 11% goes somewhere else? So you are funding other ministries. By the way, last year that was around $70,000 that we gave. You didn't even know. You didn't even know you gave. As you were giving, some of you knew, but some of you didn't. As you were giving, it automatically came off of that. And it went to serve other people. As we give to our love offering, that love offering last year was close to $30,000. Last year, so close to $100,000. I didn't even know we had $100,000 here. Amen? Amen? I mean, we're kind of a puny-looking bunch. Amen? But there is a lot of resource. And by the way, there's two more services of us. And one of them's watching right now. We can do a lot together, amen, if we give. As Ian comes, that'll be above our tithes and offerings. That'll be above our love offering. You're going to give to support him and Brothers McClurg. As his little feet came, you gave so wonderfully, so graciously to encourage their ministry. Look at all this good stuff is going. We got to be a part of that. My goodness gracious in heaven. You don't know. You've got reward you don't even know about in heaven just because you gave. And the last thing is to go. Be involved in a multitude of ways. Many of you last weekend, bless your heart, you had a missionary in your home. That takes sacrifice, doesn't it? It's not killer, but it takes sacrifice. And some of you did that. God bless you for that. Some of you went hiking with them, went shopping. Some of you stayed for the picnic. Some of you went to their booth. Some of you signed up to be prayer partners. Listen, a couple of our big goals, big goal number five is to, is, is to have a team of people 
that are helping us to impact those missionaries. Is God speaking on June 27th? We're going to have, I mentioned this last week, we're going to have a meeting. If you're interested in missions, we're going to pray about what does God want us to be doing in the area of missions. As part of that, number seven, one of our, our, our seventh guard, number ten is to partner with five other regions of the world. Write these down. India, Montreal, Latin America, Europe. We haven't quite determined yet whether it's Eastern or Western Europe. But we can make it six if God needs to. Amen? And number five is the Gulf Coast of the United States. I know there's other places. I know we ain't going to reach the whole world. But we're going to go at it for five of them. Amen? Maybe six. Amen? And then we'll see what God does. You can be involved. Listen, you can, instead of us just having a one-weekend emphasis, you can keep these missionaries and their needs and how we can be involved. Listen to me right now, friends. If you have construction experience, you don't even hardly have to pray about it. You should sign up right now. Listen, there are three churches within less than an hour from this spot right now who have church planters, who have facilities but the facilities aren't ready to open up yet. I've said to them, how can we help you? They've said, we know this doesn't sound very spiritual, but sheetrock. (laughs) Plumbing, wiring, flooring. Friends, listen, this church has been there. I have been there. God, I just want to teach your word. I just want to lead people to Christ. I can't build this. Do y'all know? Most of y'all don't know this. The first service we ever had in our old building, before we could walk into it, the town told us, your bathrooms aren't right. They've got to be readjusted. Well, guess what, Robbie? Don't, I don't do plumbing. I mean, I do, but not very well. Okay? <laughs> A brother from North Carolina that I'd never met before said, that week, hey, I'm a plumber, and I heard you're starting a church. Do you need any help? Yeah, can you be here Friday? Because <laughs> we're trying to have a service on Sunday. And he and I worked all Friday night late, most of the day Saturday, and people walked in the doors that Sunday. I couldn't have done that. But he was a partner together with us. And he has reward in heaven because of moving a few toilets on a Friday evening. Isn't that awesome? I want to ask you to bow your heads with me. You know what I know? I know God is at work. I know God is stirring. I know God is speaking. The real question is, what will we do? What will we do? Well, ultimately, I can't control what we will do. I'm doing my best to be a part of that and encouraging you, but I can control what God's help, what I will do. I know God's speaking to me. How about you? And daily, I'm asking Him, God, what is it? What exactly is it? It is so awesome to be on mission with God. He is working daily. Not just monthly, not just weekly. He is working daily through this church family. 
pray that you would speak to your servants right now. God, the enemy wants us to make this a message. And then we leave and we go out to eat and go about our business. And that was good. I need to think about that. No, Lord. You want us to mark it down. It is time to take a step. It is time to, to, to take, to move forward. And I pray for your servants, God, whatever it is, big or small, that you would give them the faith to trust you and take that step right now. And dear Lord Jesus, if there's one of those lost sheep here right now that does not know you personally, does not know that their sins have been forgiven, I pray that right now, they would call upon your name and say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. And I ask you to come into my life and save me. I want to be your child. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Pastor Matt is going to lead us in a closing song. I'm going to invite you to stand together with me. And let's worship the Lord and let him speak to us.